Hi, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. Today I'm talking to Lauren Abramson, the Executive Director and Founder of the Community Conferencing Center in Baltimore. She's also an Assistant Professor at Johns Hopkins Division of Child Psychiatry. Thanks, Rob. I'm really glad to be here. Uh, let's start with the definition. What is community conferencing? Well, basically, it's a circle process for people to address conflicts themselves by including everybody who's affected by the conflict and their respective supporters. So when there's been um, a crime or a conflict, we include those who've been harmed, those who've caused the harm, and we widen the circle to include their respective family members and anybody else who's been affected by the incident. Well, well, what I find really fascinating is how widely you've been able to apply community conferencing. You use it for small offenses, but you also use it for larger, very serious crimes and helping people deal, for instance, with the impact and aftermath of a murder. I wonder if you can talk about its, its flexibility. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's in a workplace or whether it's in a neighborhood conflict or when there's been a murder, uh, people have a lot of feelings that keep them very uncomfortable and that are generated when there's been a crime or a conflict. And so we really look at conferencing as a way for people to transform the negative emotions that generate conflict into more positive emotions that promote cooperation. And if you look at it that way, then we can apply conferencing um, in any variety of settings. And is it an adjunct to sort of more traditional adjudicatory processes? Is it in addition to it? Is it an alternative to it? Or does it depend on the circumstances? In every case where it's really appropriate to, we apply it instead of more traditional adjudication because our courts are way overburdened. Right now, Baltimore City Juvenile Court, the dismissal rate for cases is about 50%. And we're really trying to provide an alternative that is meaningful, that includes victims in deciding outcomes, and that holds people who've caused harm, that holds them accountable for what they've done. So we use this as an alternative to the court system for misdemeanor and certain felony cases. But in murder cases, obviously it's not instead of going through the court system. This provides an opportunity for healing and for learning sometimes 10, 20, 30 years after the incident and after there's been a court case. Uh, but in the cases where we've used this as an alternative to court, our um, data shows that it's been incredibly effective at reducing reoffending. Uh, the reoffending rates for young offenders who go through conferencing is 60% lower compared to the ones that go through court. Give me a sense of how, how it works. Is everyone given a specific amount of time to speak? Does a facilitator identify who should speak and in what order and, and mediate between the people? The order of the conversation is going to be first everybody's going to hear what happened from the people who were involved in the incident. And then everybody who's been affected by the incident, who's in that circle, is going to get a chance to say how they've been affected. Then the facilitator will guide the group and ask them what they want to have happen to repair the harm and prevent it from happening again. The facilitator will redirect somebody if they start personally attacking somebody but we do let a fair amount of chaos happen in that circle because 
what it really does is give people a chance to figure out for themselves how they want to treat each other. So let's talk for a moment about schools. I saw that you not only bring students together to talk and resolve specific instances of conflict, but you also have something called daily wrap that brings the teachers and students together to talk about really anything that concerns them as a way to prevent small problems from becoming large ones. We've trained about a thousand teachers in Baltimore City. The, the daily wrap um, facilitator training for teachers is about three hours long. So if we get a half of a professional development day, we do that. And it's, we just heard incredible stories from teachers about how powerful it is for them to give their students a regular space in their classroom to sit in a circle and for the students to talk about whatever it is that they want to talk about. Teachers end up feeling like they come to know their students better, and students really feel like their teachers get to know, not only know and respect them more, but the students talk about stuff where they, they really learn about each other and figure out ways to support each other more. And they talk about anything from why isn't there enough toilet paper in the bathroom, and they figure out a plan to get that you know, remedy to, I didn't sleep last night because my mom was getting beat up by her boyfriend. And then somebody else chimes in and said, hey, this has happened to me too. And they end up really supporting each other. And if you found it a tough sell to, uh, to sort of promote this model, I mean, within the court system, within the schools? You know, we've had schools where they have decided to use community conferencing instead of suspension. And they have been incredibly happy with that. But I can't say that there are a lot of schools that are really willing to do that. Um, at the same time, our court system is referring more and more cases to us. Um, but it's always a challenge. Um, there's 9,000 juvenile arrests in Baltimore City alone. So ideally, we'd love to see that this is, you know, being, that conferencing is being offered for 50% of the cases as opposed to 20% of the case. And we think, you know, we're getting there. Last year we had over 650 young people referred to community conferencing. Is it your staff that actually does the facilitation, or do you train uh, people within the court system or volunteers to do the facilitation? That's a really good question. We set up our program so that the staff, we have a staff of seven, and our staff does about 85% of the conferences, facilitating them. And then we've got, um, we do trainings twice a year, facilitator trainings. And volunteer facilitators go through an apprenticeship, um, and then they earn a stipend for each conference that they do. But we've helped seven other Maryland jurisdictions get their own community conferencing programs going. Um, we just did a training down in New Orleans. Um, so other places that want to start their own community conferencing program, we're really happy to work with them. Typically, how many people are involved in a community conference? In the average, we have probably a dozen people in the circle. I have facilitated conferences certainly with 20 to 30 people. Some of the bigger neighborhood conferences can go up to 40. And how long do they usually last? <laughs> if people have this basic structure for the conversation. I mean, our cases that we handle that are referred from the court system, an average amount of time is 60 
to 90 minutes. And it is amazing how much emotion comes out during that time and how much healing happens and that an agreement is reached and written down and within an hour to an hour and a half they're really happy with the outcome. Um, for people who've seen The Wire that was a HBO series about Baltimore, um, I like to call conferencing that we're doing here as the flip side of The Wire. You know, The Wire was very true and um, about some of the really gritty aspects of this city and what we've shown through conferencing is that in those same neighborhoods, like we've had over 9,000 Baltimore residents safely and successfully resolve their crimes and conflicts through conferencing. So I think the message for me is like David Simon, who was the co-creator of The Wire, said, we're shaped by the institutions that govern us. And if we give people a, an institution that makes sense where they can empowered to make their own decisions, then we've seen that people can resolve crimes and conflicts really well and do it collectively and have it result in people not reoffending. So um, if people um, want to find out more about your work, what should they do? Visit your website? Absolutely. Communityconferencing.org. Well, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to talk with me, Lauren. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. I've been speaking with Lauren Abramson, founder and executive director of the Community Conferencing Center in Baltimore, which has its website at www.communityconferencing.org. I'm Rob Wolf, director of communications at the Center for Court Innovation. To find out more about the center, visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org. Thanks for listening.